Welcome into the latest edition of Limeland Hoops and History. I'm your host, Matt Childers. It's great to be with you today. Our guest today, Matt Smith, the Elida standout. Class of 1999, he joins the podcast this week. We'll welcome Matt in for another edition of Limeland Hoops. And history. All right, and indeed, we welcome in. It's the 1999 standout from Elida. It's Matt Smith, everybody. Schmitty, you're coming to us from Wisconsin. How are you holding up these days? Not too bad. We uh, took a little bit of snow over the weekend, but uh, oh all my. in all, it hasn't been bad, and um, it's, it's been a lot of fun up here. Yeah. Uh, are you still, Thanks for having me on. You, you still rooting for uh, uh, the Buckeyes, or do you root for the Badgers now uh, in hoops? Oh man, I feel like that was a trick question there. Um, <laughs> I, I've always been a uh, I've always been a Michigan fan, and uh, with uh, even with the move, I've stayed true to, to the Maize and Blue. And uh, there's been some some challenging times there, but uh, basketball hoops has been really good. Um, you know, Beeline had a great run there, and then uh, Jawan had a really good first year. Yeah. Um, of course, getting to watch Xavier um, the last four years has, has been uh, enjoyable as well, just because um, whenever you can watch your kid that, that played in your hometown, um, you know, and started in the hometown, it's been kind of cool to, to watch him and um, see how he's grown in the college game as well. Yeah, it's Matt Smith, everybody, uh, joining us here on Lima Land Hoops and History. Uh, Matt, uh, I got the honor of uh, going to a couple of Big Ten tournaments. The, the, the two anomalies, one that was in Washington, D.C., uh, and the other one that was in New York City, both of those included Xavier Simpson and John Beeline and the Michigan Wolverines. The first game was against uh, an old friend of yours, an old family friend in Dakota Mathias. That was the noon game uh, that was the first game on that Friday at the Big Ten Tournament in Washington. Purdue was the number one seed, and uh, I believe it was Derek Walton uh, who uh, upset Purdue in an overtime game, but an incredibly exciting game. Uh, kind of ruined Coach Adams uh, in my weekend in Washington, D.C. in terms of hoops because we had front row seats uh, for all of that. Compliments of Dan Mathias and his family. Uh, but if you would, share what you saw with Dakota Mathias and with Xavier Simpson, two guys who played in the Big Ten, really at the highest level of basketball in, in the collegiate game uh, that you saw over the first couple of years before we get into uh, your history and, and Elida's history. Yeah, um, I think what really sets those two kids apart from all, all of the other players that have kind of come through Lima Land um, and, and been good players 
is is really two things, um, and two would be limiting limiting both of them. But uh, the two that stand out the most would be their hoops IQ. Um, I mean, both Dakota and Xavier, their their IQ of the game um, was really at a level that we probably haven't seen around Limeland um, before. And then the other thing that really set those two apart is just their competitive uh, chip on their shoulder. Um, you know, I don't know how many people are watching the, the Jordan docuseries right now, Last Dance. Yeah. But the one thing that really stands out about him is just how competitive he is and how Anytime he felt slighted, he would use that as fuel. Yeah. And uh, both Dakota and, and Xavier both possessed that. Um, I can remember some high school battles between those two. Uh, it was really fun to kind of watch watch that play out. And then um, getting the chance to watch him kind of on the, the big stage, if you will. Um, you know, I, I was able to go to the Michigan-Purdue uh, game. Uh, Quincy hooked me up with some tickets. And um, went up there and watched, and that was a great game up there. Um, Purdue edged them out, uh, questionable call there at the end. Uh, I think they called a foul on Mo Wagner. I remember, uh, yeah. Yep, yeah. big man Isaac Haas went and hit a couple free throws to, to take the lead. Um, but it was just a great, great game, and it was a lot of fun to watch those two kids uh, play on a, uh, a platform like that. Yeah, for sure. I, I remember uh, it well in Madison Square Garden uh, in the finals of the Big Ten uh, championship the following year after the D.C. trip, and uh, Dakota and Michigan uh, went at it, and Michigan uh, won back-to-back uh, Big Ten titles, uh, and it was just a pleasure to see, as you said, those two on that really big stage and how well they performed over their entire career, and I thought they handled it well. You know, you've got two of the great players that be tough to sit, uh, limited minutes maybe your freshman year, but they both played, uh, I thought, very fruitful minutes for both uh, Beeline and, and Matt Painter. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, how did how did a guy from Lima, Ohio, uh, albeit I, I was a Notre Dame fan, how did you become uh, a Michigan fan in all of this wave of, you know, scarlet and gray? Um, really, to be honest with you, I'm not sure where it started. Uh, I, if I had to pinpoint it, I would probably say uh, my, my grandmother was a Michigan fan, mm. and so um, therefore that kind of uh, infiltrated into my dad. And as I was a kid growing up, he, he would have the, the Michigan games on TV there. And I think just the maize and blue and the helmet really was what yeah. uh, caught my attention. And then um, as a young kid, you know, Desmond Howard was in his prime. Right. And uh, was making plays on the big stage. And, you know, you go out and play backyard football, and you're, you're trying to mimic the things that he did. Um, I think that's when it really took off then. And, uh, of course, the Fab Five on the basketball side were influential and um, a lot of fun to watch and impressionable on a, on a young kid. And, um, just kind of was the perfect storm, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And you had uh, – hey, you were on the front end of the good parts uh, in the 90s when uh, you were able to uh, go at it with your friends as uh, uh, the Michigan Wolverines, both football and basketball, were, were performing. I mean, they knock out Jimmy Jackson and – and uh, Randy Ayers and that crew, and then uh, they, they really played really well on the football field against uh, John Cooper. So uh, that sounds – hey, listen, that sounds very good uh, growing up that way. Uh, let's do this. Let's start off um, – you know, you had a standout career at Elida, but what, what started uh, your hoops and, and the passion that you had for hoops? Uh, 
Um, it was probably it was probably coaches ninety one team with um, guys like Jeff Cashel, um, Josh Search, John Woolley, Chris Bowers, Ben Curry. Um, I think if you if you put a gun to coach's head and asked him who his uh, best team was, he would probably pick those guys out. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it was a really really solid squad. Um, at that time, Elida was Division One, so they're always going up um, in tournament against the Mansfield Seniors and the Sanduskies. Um, they had Orlando Pace. Yeah. So um, I think just going to the games and kind of watching those guys perform um, it really was what generated kind of that that love for the game. And um, as I started to practice more, um, hit a growth spurt, um, had a, my best friend from high school, Jerome, hit um, was a standout guard there. And so um, we were pretty much inseparable through those years. And so, you know, his, his passion for the game, his love for the game was probably uh, right there with mine and um, something we had in common. We just did it all the time. And we were constantly looking for places to play and games to, to be a part of. And um, really, that was like the one true hobby that I had growing up. Yeah, yeah. Matt Smith joining us here on the Lima Land Hoops and History Podcast. I'm Matt Childers. And it's good to be with all of you uh, out in our audience uh, as we uh, reflect back on Matt Smith and his standout career, but also talking, he just mentioned Coach Adams and what Coach Adams meant to the Elida program. He came in the uh, fall of 1985. His first graduating class was 1986. And, uh, of course, typically when there's a coaching change, uh, that means that uh, there probably could, could be some improvement. And uh, certainly in the Elida's case, I think they were looking for that, and they got that in Coach Adams. Uh, you hit probably at the perfect time to be able to come in because he turned it around pretty quickly uh, and then was able to really capitalize on that through the 90s. What what do you say about uh, Coach Adams, who is now a Hall of Famer, going into the uh, Ohio High School Basketball Coaches Hall of Fame uh, just this year in 2020? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think there's anyone more um... – you know, deserving of that award than Coach Adams. Um, he really built Elida basketball into uh, what it's become. Um, and Denny's done a great job kind of taking what, what Coach Adams built there and, and uh, expanding on it and continuing it. Um, I think the one thing that, that Coach did that really uh, probably helped turn the corner there at Elida is he, he invested in the youth. Um, mm. You know, he started, he started um, kids in fifth and sixth grade playing. And it wasn't just that he started it, but he was involved there. Um, I can remember playing over in Gomer um, on a Saturday morning, and um, Coach Adams almost was always there in the crowd, you know, mm. watching a game or two. Um, his varsity players were, were the guys that were roughing a game, so you kind of formed that relationship with them. And um, it was something that every kid at Elida really looked forward to. Um, and, and not only that, but uh, before the season even started, he'd have – two or three weekends in a row where it was just skill work, um, where he'd start to build the fundamentals and, and teach you different drills you could do. And, um, you know, his, his passion for the game really showed through then and um, was something that his entire career um, he, he really had. Um, just to feel very fortunate that I was able to play for him. Um, probably one of the few people that can say I played for a Hall of Fame coach in high school and, and also one in college. Um, and ironically enough, those two guys are connected as well through uh, Whitford. So yeah, who who was the coach in college for the audience? Uh, Steve Moore. Mm. 
Yeah. Coach Moore up there at Worcester. And, and Steve coached at Worcester, uh, where you went to college. So, uh, yeah, terrific. So uh, we know uh, in each of these podcasts, I always reference that uh, Coach Segerson went to five-star, uh, and uh, he, he would always get asked by different coaches uh, over there. And those coaches were, you know, kind of the, the who's who were – uh, of of really basketball at the time, uh, where you would have Mike Shashevsky coming in and Jim Beheim and Roy Williams and uh, you'd have John Calipari and Rick Pitino giving sessions and Hubie Brown and and uh, he he'd been asked what, what's going on in Lima Ohio in this little community four and a half hours away from Pittsburgh uh, in this little community in Ohio that's you know that's that's had all of these Mister Basketballs. It turns out we end up having five Mister Basketballs. Uh, four four players. Uh, Greg Simpson was named it twice, and then uh, Aaron Hutchins, uh, Jamar Butler, uh, Xavier Simpson. So when you think about you named some of the player great players at at Elida uh, in, in Coach Adams' fifth or sixth year. When you think of those Mister Basketballs, and then you think of great players as you're moving towards your high school and into your high school years, uh, what 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 strikes you? Um, I mean, I think all those guys, you know, the ones that you mentioned and, and kind of the ones that uh, I grew up idolizing. Um, I can remember the Hutchins twins playing in tip-off. Hmm. Um, I don't remember which one it was that had the dunk, but um, I think it was Aaron. Probably Anthony. Anthony. Yeah. Pro- probably Anthony, well, yeah. feel bad that I took that away from Anthony, but um, <laughs> just, you know, watching those guys and uh, just the ability that they had and the plays that they were able to make. Um, you know, the Hutchins boys, they were just superior athletes, but also really, really skilled basketball players. Um, Greg Simpson, another guy that was a great athlete, but, you know, was equally as skilled. Um, did you get I to see him a lot? Did you get a, were, you know, you would have been what, about 10, 11 years old? Is that fair? Yep, right in that time right in that time span. Um, I saw him a few times. Um, I watched the tournament game that I think he lied and knocked him off and actually did an upset over Ohio Northern. Mm. Um, but I watched highlights. I mean, there's highlights yeah. he was on the TV all the time. <laughs> um, but I think all those players that you talked about, I think Lima just uh, the work ethic that kids develop at a young age and then carry through really is the difference. Um, and those great players, they just they had a drive to really – to be the best, yeah. And, um, most most of them made it. Yeah, indeed. And you talked about Michael Jordan in the, this last dance, and he'd even make up stuff to to kind of make himself uh, be aggrieved. And uh, he he uh, he even admitted later after the LeBradford Smith uh, that he dropped forty five and a half on him, uh, that he actually was just you know creating this because he would create these uh, opportunities and probably the greats. You know, do that, uh, and we we've had great players all around here. Um, what, what about what about um, the uh, the great player at uh, at Elida, Mark Bishop, who kind of came right after uh, the the Hutchins and then uh, Greg Simpson. Yeah, um, I remember Mark. I remember watching him as a as a freshman, just a skinny, scrawny kid that um, really you would have never guessed could could shoot a three-pointer, you know, mm. um, let alone make some of the plays that, that he made throughout his career. But just to watch the transformation he made from his freshman year to his senior year, um, he really put in the work and, 
and made himself a, an outstanding player. And um, he was really the one that got me interested in shooting threes. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you go to a game and you watch him and he's shooting them from deep and it's just effortless. And um, he was a lot of fun to watch. Um, coach gave him the green light, rightfully so, you know, one, of, one that he earned. And uh, he went on to have a great career there at Finley. Yeah, he sure did. He sure did. I was just watching the 1998. It, it, it turned out it, it wasn't Michael Jordan's last All-Star game. It was before he retired uh, the first, well, I guess the second time, uh, and before he came back to the Wizards. But at the 27-second mark in the second, in the second quarter, uh, Bob Costas mentioned that was the first made three by the Western team. And I thought it was remarkable because they'd only taken eight. Uh, and most teams today will take 33 uh, in average. So uh, when you were coming up, uh, you had the opportunity to become a really good three-point shooter. And you saw that from from Mark Bishop. Uh, and we'll, we'll get into that here in a bit. But uh, when you think about the WBL, I had uh, Coach Mark Bagley on and uh, from Van Wert, and I asked him this question. I said, who did you consider? There's so many in the WBL because there's so many great venues where it's Defiance and Salina and Van Wert and Elida and St. Mary's and OG, and I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out. But all that being said, who did you consider your biggest rival at uh, Elida when you were playing for Coach Adams? Um, I mean, obviously, we, we had the local rivalry there with uh, Shawnee and Bat. Um, but without question, I think the biggest rivalry was, was ottawa Glendorf. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was because, you know, the success that they had and the teams that they had. And for whatever reason, we, we just could not get over the hump against them. You know, we'd have leads in games and um, find a way to lose them and um, I'm not sure in my four years there at Elida if we ever beat OG. Mm. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure we didn't. Yeah, he, Coach has some incredible stories about uh, just the the last seconds of those games uh, that, that took place. It's, uh, it's almost reminiscent of Coach Sagerson down at State where you have the – you have it in your sights, you have it won, and, and then something triggers, and it's just – it's unique things that happened – uh, that took place. Uh, okay, so favorite uh, favorite shooting venue. You were a great shooter. Favorite shooting vendor outside of the field house for you in the WBL? Oh, man, that's a tough question. Um, for whatever reason, um, I seem to sh- shoot it really well, Ken. Mm. And I, I don't know what, what the rhyme or reason there is, um, but that, that seemed to be the kind of the place where um, I probably had the most success uh, shooting the ball from the outside. Um, if I can go outside the WBL, it would without sure. question be um, up at BG. You know, we got to mm. um, privileged enough to play in the district uh, tournament up there, and that was just a great place for a shooter to play. Oh, that's a great that's a great place. Although, having said that, one of my all time favorite venues, Anderson Arena, um, you still just had a window to shoot in at the one end. The other end did have a background. Uh, Tell our audience the difference between shooting into a window or getting used to that where there's just fans behind it versus, say, like an Ohio Northern or an Elida where there's a wall right there. Yeah, I mean, just I think um, for, I was always better at the end where the, the, the students were sitting. Mm. Um, I, I couldn't seem to make shots at the end where the windows were. <laughs> and I, I think it was a depth perception thing. 
Sure. Um, I've kind of noticed uh, as I've gotten older that my depth perception is not very good. And um, I think, you know, a, a typical gym, you've got kind of the block walls there at the end or um, kind of a, a similar background on both ends. But, yeah, BG was different because of um, the way it was structured. And um, I think that when you were shooting into the windows, if you had good depth perception, it probably didn't bother you too yeah. much. But um, that, that seemed to always trip me up. I, I bothered me at Toledo. Uh, I know that for sure. It's just a different – you're just so used to, to having that background. It's a different – it's a different feel for it. Uh, tell us about that district experience and who you played there and uh, how that uh, how that was for you. Yeah, so um, my sophomore year, we played up there. Um, I think we played Bath in the semis, and um, they had a really good team that year. That would have been Brian Jesco, Ryan Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, they had some really good players, had a really, really good year. Um, in fact, they might have won the WBL that year. Um, and then we, we got past them, and we played Rossford. And um, we, uh, we we got them pretty good. Um, I think we ended up winning that one by close to 20, Yeah. Um, which put us put us into the regionals for, uh, I think, only the second time um, under Coach Adams. And um, went up against Cleveland Benedictine then, and, and that was a team that uh, sounded a little bit too much for us, and uh, we battled them, but... Couldn't, couldn't get over the hump against them and ended up getting beat in that game. Uh, my junior year, we played Oak Harbor um, out of the, uh, up yep. kind of the north part of the state there. And um, we, uh, we always fared really well against teams that weren't from the WBL. But the problem was you always ran into a WBL team there. And yeah. um, Ottawa Glendorf knocked us out in the district finals that, that year. And then uh, senior year, we played Oak Harbor again and uh, got past them pretty easily uh, to go up against Shawnee and uh, oh. Sean Powell, um, Jermaine yes. Dawson, Mike Marshall, um, another really good team from the area. Um, they kind of really came into their own that year as, as the year went on. And uh, Phil LeBeau, no, it might have been Pete LeBeau, hit uh, two free throws with, I want to say, 1.6 seconds left maybe um, to give them a, a one-point lead and uh, – we ended up missing a shot at the buzzer and got knocked out um, in, a, in a really – that one still hurts. I was, the, I was there. Uh, I think, I think uh, the Dawson that you mentioned hit a bank shot from the top of the key that, you know, is one of those that, you know, you're, if you're an Elida fan, you're thinking that's what we wanted. And, uh, it, and the bank was open that night, uh, and it was, it was – a. Would you have considered that an upset, or did you consider that it was a kind of a toss-up game going into that? Um, I think that one was probably a toss-up game. Um, that was the third time we had played that year. We beat them in tip-offs. Um, actually, we beat them to win the tip-off title, and then they beat us at their place uh, in the, during the WBL. Um, that was a probably one of uh, Coach Adams' team's worst performances ever. Um over there at Lappin Gymnasium, they, they put a 3-2 zone out on us, and uh, I, I don't think we scored the entire third quarter. Oh, yeah. Um, just a nightmare of a game. Um, but uh, two pretty equal teams. Um, you know, I think both games were, Sound, were really close. Yeah, sounds like it. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, a lot of fun competing against uh, guys like Sean. How Powell. good How good is that to just be driving up and down I-75 those – times to Bowling Green? Uh, you know, it, it, 
uh, I'm almost embarrassed to say this, uh, and I didn't really realize it until I got into the coaching aspect, but we really took for granted um, making it to the districts. Mm. You know, we were, we were spoiled. Um, we had made it, I don't know how many years in a row there that we made it to, to districts. And when I first got into coaching um, over there at Elida, I think it was 2007, um, it took us three or four years before we made it back. And, uh, you know, it, it, at the time, playing you didn't really think too much of it but then when you look back as a coach yeah um, as a player now I mean it really was a special thing and um, a lot of times you had to have uh, the ball kind of bounce your way to, sure. to get there yeah for sure Matt Smith joining us uh the Elida standout class of 1999 all right uh something that uh, you and I were able to visit about uh prior to this uh podcast uh it's the great game that took place uh late March in uh, 1999 it was your final regular season game and it was against Lima Senior and that game that had been postponed from what was uh, an ice snowstorm uh, in the early parts of January and then a uh, absolute sellout of a crowd that took place at the Elida Fieldhouse on a pretty good looking Friday uh, evening Uh, and you played Lima Senior it was Coach Adams against Dick Heath in one of the great, I think, memorable games uh, at the great venue of the Elida Fieldhouse. Uh, take our audience through that game and your thoughts that uh, you remember uh, pretty vividly. Yeah, so, um, you know, one thing that's that I've never really been able to, to um, forget about is when that game was postponed. Hmm. Um, I can remember I was listening on the radio. Um, like you had mentioned, it was a Saturday in early January. Um, and I can remember Coach Adams was being interviewed um, on one of the local radio stations. And um, at that time, um, Elida was really – I'm not sure if they – I think their record against uh, Lima Senior was maybe 2-27 and 27 or 2-25. and 25. Mm. Um, Just a, a very rough record there, you know, in a game that we didn't win very often. And um, the, the radio host kind of insinuated that that game could have been played because we were so close to each other and that it was more Elida was scared to play Lime Senior. Mm. And um, that was the real reason for the cancellation. And uh, He kind of posed that question to, to Coach Adams, not necessarily in those words, but um, that's how I remember it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that I think that kind of put a chip on, on a lot of our shoulders going into that game that, uh, here we are, and the, the local media doesn't think Elida wants to play Lima Senior. And um, that was a game we looked forward to. I mean, that was a really good team they had, led by Andre Horton. Um, Dion Rose was a sidekick, and um, Dion was a, a pretty dang good sidekick to have. Uh, they had Biggie Townsend, um, Robbie Davenport, Tavares Clay. I mean, they had some they had some really good players. Great players, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and. and um, yeah, and, and and your and your crew was a very talented team as well. Uh, uh, t- t- tell us about your team. Yeah, I mean we um, it was one of the few times at Elida that we were dominated with seniors. We had six of them. Um, we had uh, myself, uh, Jerron Hinton, who mentioned earlier was our point guard. We had Andy Dooley. He was kind of our foreman. Um, really good athlete, strong kid. Went on to play football at uh, Miami of Ohio. Um, Ty Frank Kaiser was our center, um, undersized as far as height, but, um, just a kid that competed really hard. Yeah. He was a pretty good football player in his own right. 
Um, Ryan Bowers, he was the younger brother of Chris Bowers um, from the 91 squad. Yeah. Uh, Ryan was our shooting guard. Um, had some really good games that year for us. I think he was shooting over 40% from three, so a kid that could uh, knock it in if you left him open. Um, Chad Schwarzenegger was our sixth senior, and he was kind of our uh, – really wasn't the sixth man, uh, but he, he was a guy that came in off the bench and uh, was a really good defender, um, had good quickness. We had a couple of juniors that played pretty significant minutes for us. Uh, Josh Doyle, he's a big 6'5 lefty that we had. Yeah. Um, was really a stretch four before the stretch four became a thing. Um, and then Rodney Mitchell, a little backup point guard. Oh, yeah. Uh, that uh, he actually ended up following me up to the College of Worcester, and, and we had three uh, three more good, great years together up there. Um, he's become one of my one of my better friends, and um, that's great. We, you know, just he, and he had a great game that game. Um, but we knew going into that game that uh, in order for us to compete, we were going to have to play really well, and um, we I, I feel like we did that. Yeah. You did that. You did that, and then some. Uh, I'll take you fast forward. Uh, we got about uh, oh, about three, three, four minutes left in the uh, Lima Land Hoops and History podcast with Matt Smith. Uh, Lima Senior, Elida Fieldhouse, nineteen ninety nine. The Bulldogs hosting, and uh, it's uh, midway through uh, the. Well, you're leading. You're leading in the third quarter. And then you're leading midway through the fourth quarter. What what happens? Well, uh, Andre Horton comes back in the game. Um, hmm. You know, he had been saddled to the bench with some foul trouble, and um, he, I think we were up 14 with about four and a half minutes to go. Oh my! And um, Dick Keith calls timeout, and um, I can remember. I mean, that that field house was rocking. It was loud in there, and um, all was. of a sudden, yeah, yeah, all of a sudden Andre starts, you know. Starts off with just an innocent little three from the wing, I think. And then it kind of, uh, next time down, he, he hits another one. And then he hits one from, from the intersection of the volleyball lines and, and does his little leg kick. Uh, <laughs> kind of the, the one that Reggie Miller made famous. Yeah. And um, not only does he make it, but the foul gets called and it turns into a four-point play. And all of a sudden, the momentum just gets sucked out um, from the Elida side and is intensified on the line of senior side. Um, the field house, I mean, it, it was it was loud in there. And uh, he, he went on to have 23 in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, it didn't yeah. matter what defense we threw at him. I think we tried zone. I think we tried man. Uh, didn't really matter. And, you know, like great players do, he made, he made big plays down the stretch. Um, I think Deion Rose even hit a, a three there uh, maybe with a minute to go that – kind of put the nail in the coffin. Um, it was a, a tough way to go out uh, just because of how that game played out. You know, uh, yeah. To have a 14-point lead there and then lose it and, um, was, was tough. But you look back and you know, a lot of times when you check scores, you're seeing games, you know, 32 to 24. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that was no <laughs> – uh, that would have been the first quarter uh, of that game. Yeah. You, you ended uh, – it was 96 to 90 uh, in favor of Lima Sr., uh, they prevailed. You had 30 points. Uh, Horton had 23 in the fourth quarter alone. And there's an interesting side story to all of this. Uh, when it's all said and done, uh, you look back and you say, hey, we had an AAU team. And, and when you were growing up, who was on that AAU team out of Van Wert with you and Andre Horton? 
Yeah, um, we had Andre Horton, we had Dion Rose, um, Jerron was on there, Andy Dooley. Um, we had Jared Lockery from Van Wert, who was a really good player for uh, Van Wert. Um, Jamie Ruckless was a kid that played for uh, – he grew up in the Van Wert system and, and then went to, to Crestview. Um, was a really nice guard for them. Um, I mean, that was a really, really good team that we had. Um, some really good players on that team. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, I mean, to have that as your AAU squad is uh, really incredible. Uh, we're up against it. We'll talk next time about, uh, you know, your college uh, days and then also, you know, coaching the likes of Reggie McAdams and uh, Dakota Mathias and some of the great players you coached alongside uh, Coach Denny Thompson in one of the another most memorable game in the history of Lima Land hoops in history uh, down at the state tournament against Dayton Dunbar. We'll do that the next time, Matt. Uh, really a pleasure to have you uh, on the podcast. Uh, miss seeing you, and uh, glad that uh, you're staying in touch with uh, our Lima area. We, uh, we miss you, and uh, I just wanted to uh, thank you for looking back and reminiscing uh, on your career and the career of uh, what's uh, a really great history of Lima Land. Yeah, thanks, Julie. I appreciate being on and uh, miss Lima just as much. You got it, pal. We'll talk soon. And uh, it's Matt Smith, everybody, right here on Lima Land Hoops and History.